0: Welcome to the Affinity Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about organizational health in the sense of being a high-functioning and a high-performing company over the long term. Research shows that companies can improve short- and long-term performance by focusing on a small number of carefully selected management practices, and we're going to lay these out today. Hi, Grantley. Hi. Um, Can you tell us what is organizational health? What makes an organization healthy?
1: Well it's the ability of the organization to deliver against its performance goals so if an organization's healthy it's achieving its performance goals pretty pretty simply yeah
0: are there any technical aspects of organizational health?
1: well over fifteen years you know of study around this space uh, there's been determined to be th- sort of three key elements and one's alignment the next one's execution and the last is renewal. Um, Alignment is pretty straightforward. It's that everybody's pointing in the same direction. And you know, over the years that I've been working with companies, uh, it often gets missed. It's assumed that we all are pointing in the same direction or seeking the same outcome. Uh, Simon Sinek talks about the why of an organization. And, and I do think that that's at the heart of what I think alignment means. Uh, different stakeholders are going to have different Takes on what they think is important and what they need to achieve within their department or within their realm, um, but that underlying why is where the alignment comes from. Um, the execution piece is pretty straightforward. It really is how you execute on that mission, on the strategy, um, and you know it's it's one of those things where probably in the execution is uh, where many companies derail um, because it's it's complex and it involves people <laughs> and people really are at the heart of the strength of organizations but also the often the most challenging part uh, because people have unique needs and unique desires and, and getting that alignment and getting execution moving toward that means understanding the people and understanding what their needs are and, and trying to address those is Uh, as well as possible. Um, Often talk about, you know, job crafting and and different ways that we can make sure that people are doing their best and their best position to be successful. And that all comes into execution. Um, The last one's a renewal. And renewal is something that uh, Adizis talks about this uh, in the life cycle of a business. And even though that's been around for quite some time, that, um, that model, the Adizis model holds true. And it's this bell curve that essentially looks at where a company starts from inception and the chaos of the startup and hopefully getting to that position of what Adizis calls prime uh, optimization when things are really clicking along. And inevitably, that bell curve has a back end to it, and that's when renewal comes in. Um, the goal of a company should be when it reaches prime or it's approaching prime is to be beginning to think about innovation and renewal and how do we uh, adjust ourselves or adjust our sites um, so that we continue to grow. Um,
0: yeah. How do companies get the data about the effectiveness of the practices they're using in achieving specific outcomes?
1: Yeah. So, so there's a lot of ways to measure outcomes. And, uh, you know, I talk about in the affinity principle, a concept that um, the financial outcome is a function of people. Uh, begins with leadership, which leads to team experience, which then leads to the customer experience or the member experience. And so measuring outcomes from my perspective uh, really happen on the people end of things because that's a lead indicator as opposed to a lag indicator. So your financials are a lag indicator. So if things aren't working, you know, superbly, if you're not in prime or, or optimized, um, then obviously that's going to impact the financials. But what I'm describing here is the ability for us or for an organization to make adjustments within the people piece to, uh, exact the outcome that we want in a financial sense. So one way is to do rhythmic surveys, um, When we talk about rhythmic surveys, uh, Medallia released recently that um, obviously a lot of companies do an annual team member or employee survey. Um, It's just not enough. We need to be taking the pulse on our team constantly. Um, In fact, you know the company I work within takes the pulse of every team member once a month, and that's exactly where we should position ourselves: is to have that regular. Touch and that regular contact, and that survey is not just a tool to me- or to gather data or to to measure sentiment, which is what the Affinity OS system does. It, it's the ability to see trends and also for themes to bubble up. And when it comes to ENPS, which is what we're talking about here, employee net promoter score, or really employee engagement, which is speaking to this question, you know, when team members are engaged, the functionality and performance improves, but we need to be able to measure that and we need to watch it over time.
0: I also saw that McKinsey recently released that uh, in organizations that do survey their team members, there's often a difference in perception of the leadership team and the frontline people that, that the perception of the leadership team tends to be far more positive of overall culture that they're achieving but then when the t- the team members are asked, it's not so much. What do you think about that?
1: Well, as a leader, I'm hoping our people are happy. Uh, I know the owner of the company that I run, he wants his people to be happy. He wants the culture to be vibrant and positive. And so we are optimistic about that and, and hopeful. And when we get negative feedback or we get stuff that comes through that suggests other, we we don't really want to hear it, but, but it is part of, of growth. So... I think it's right. That's a natural, um, you know, we talk about confirmation bias. Uh, you know, people naturally want to hear what they want to hear and they want to see their company flourishing and their people happy. Uh, but, you know, there's that's, again, the point of this rhythmic survey uh, ritual, if you will, to look at it, engage it, and, and see that um, we're moving in the right direction.
0: A lot of the work throughout your career has been with organizations that were underperforming and needed to undergo a performance transformation. Uh, you've had a lot of success in achieving positive outcomes by focusing on management practices and behaviors.
1: Yeah, look, um, I really feel like, so I started my career in the fitness industry and um, I got a bit of a reputation for resurrecting clubs. Um since then, I've spent a lot of time in the wellness area, and so you know, not resurrecting clubs, but building wellness um, models, and so that's shifted a fair bit. But what I found in those early days of um, some of the disasters I walked into, <laughs> uh, there was some basics being, you know, sort of being missed, if you will. And I think when I when I'm asked about the common threads, a uh, couple of common threads. One is is people. Um, really taking care of people and having a people centricity. I think a lot of club owners and a lot of businesses feel that the people part's just almost too hard. It's sort of better to, um, you know, not or not deal with it if possible. I mean, that's obviously great, but it doesn't really function because we're generally people-centric businesses. Um, so that was one big factor. The other one's communication. Um, communication for me... Was often the the missing piece between you know, even what the team was thinking and what management was thinking, or what members were feeling and what you know the team was thinking. Like the communication between all entities is is really critical, and managing good, healthy communication is um, it's a full time job. Like it's something that you need to be focused on every day and have the the rhythms and the systems in place. And I talk a lot about that in different aspects of this podcast with you know, stand-ups and various communication platforms, but can't emphasize enough that the organizations that I've gone into that were really struggling, communication was probably a center point.
0: Let's talk about different recipes for strengthening organizational health. Uh, I know McKinsey has identified 37 different management mm-hmm. practices that lead to organizational health. Uh, how does the leader or manager reconcile all that? Uh, that seems like a lot to have to focus on. Thirty-seven.
1: Yeah, it is a lot, and I talk about this in my book in the affinity principle. Um, but I really feel like we need to focus on maybe some opportunities of you know prioritizing, if you will. Um, I think all those lenses are really. Important, but it's difficult for what I'd say most organisations, except very sophisticated organisations, to look through those, in you know, all those lenses. Um, there's probably four combinations of management practices that um, have been referenced in in that work, and one of them is called the Leadership Factory, and and I love that one. Uh, I think it's very powerful. I've I've learned some hard lessons over the years about that. Uh, when you grow your leaders uh, internally, and you attract great leaders from externally, um, you can then have them go out and and you know if you will spread the word or or share the love, um, grow the culture. Uh, you know, great example. Many years ago, I was uh, we had a very successful wellness center in uh, the states on the east coast that I, I was running the company. And we expanded to another state about five, six hour drive away. So not very close. And we transplanted one great leader up into that space. But uh, we expected, you know, this mammoth project to be um, driven by this one, you know, high quality leader. And it was just way too much to ask. And we learned a hard lesson there that we really needed to pr- transplant a team of leaders. So the next project we did, which was only an hour away, but uh, it was again remote. Uh, we put half a dozen really strong players into that space, and so those leaders that we we transplanted really took the culture and, and ran with it, and instantly that club got traction. So um, you know we need to be growing people within our organisation. We need to be thinking about how we can help people be the best that they can be. And, and growing, uh, firstly, recognizing leaders within your organization but sec- or potential leaders, and then secondly, growing them is really incredible, uh, incredibly important. So this leadership factory idea is really to have a, a system of, of mentoring and uh, investment in your leadership team to, to grow them through the organization. Um, the second one's market shaper, and what that means is Shaping innovation, and and that can be done through customer insights. It can be done from internally as well, uh, but it is uh, a powerful way to prioritize what we should be focused on. And if you're really listening to your customers or your members, um, then insights will come up, will bubble up. And again, the Affinity OS platform is really designed to do that: is to see these themes and these. Um, elements come up through the information which the AI processes and, and brings to the fore. And when we really um, listen, and, and that's a powerful tool to listen with, to our customers, um, great innovation will come from that, opportunities will come from that. Um, the other one is uh, the the third one, continuous improvement. And uh, that's all about being and remaining competitive it's about being the best that we can be at all points it is about never sitting on our laurels um i've gone to a lot of companies over the years where they have done things a certain way and i would cringe when they when i'd ask the question uh you know why do we do it this way oh well that's all, how we've always done it and that to me is like a, a, a huge red flag going up going hang on that's not a reason to do something because that's historically what we've done. doesn't mean that that's the right thing to do today. And what I'm seeing in the marketplace today is a lot of upheaval. I'm seeing a lot of um, turmoil, a lot of change, and, and some of that change, much of that change is for good, you know, diversity. Um, there's a lot of things happening that are really driving companies to be more mindful, which is part of you know what I speak to in, in the book, the affinity principle about mindful leadership. We're seeing that perking up, but it's becoming harder for companies to do business as usual. Um, Our constituency, let's talk about our first constituency, and that is our team. um, They're becoming more demanding. And, And whether we like that or not, that's what we're dealing with. We're also dealing with a workforce right now that um, are making choices by virtue of what they want to do, not just what they need to do. There's a high level of employment. So there's a lot of reasons why uh, we need to be working with team and in turn, you know, obviously influencing the the outcome with members or customers. But this focus around innovation and about listening to team and and, and gleaning great insights from within is really powerful but gleaning insights from without as well so we need to be listening to the market and watching the market closely um it's very easy to assume that you know a small geographic move doesn't mean a big difference in in how we should look at what we're doing and i've certainly learned those lessons over the years that you can move a suburb and and some things could change drastically um the last one is is talent or knowledge. Uh, the core of your business is talent. It's people that are um, bringing expe- experience and um, ex- expertise into the business. Uh, it's also attracting consultants or, or technical experts in fields. It's constantly renewing our knowledge. Um, I have a whole bunch of different feeds that I um, look at daily and I don't read every one of them I, I sort of glance at the topic and if, if it's of interest I look at it but I'm constantly trying to improve and refine I go to an executive coach which I've been an executive coach so you could say well hang on that's like a personal trainer going to a personal trainer yep it, it kind of is because we do need fresh set of eyes across what we're doing and it's easy to become complacent so, That last one, the improvement of the the knowledge core and the development of talent, really, really important. So those are four things that you can do to, you know, to improve um, outcomes.
0: So you just gave us four different recipes of leadership styles or approaches or philosophies, if you will. Can you give us a concrete example? Can you uh, pick one of these and give us an example in practice?
1: Yeah, so, you know, the example I used before about um, transplanting leadership or growing leadership, uh, I think is a really salient one. Um, That's, you know, an important uh, aspect of what I like to do when I'm within an organization is is help develop leaders. Um, What I've found is that (laughs) that can be difficult. It can be difficult um, to see those leaders firstly or those potential uh, leaders and that really requires, again, that finger on the pulse um, and then to exact um, change for them. And when I say for them, like to put them in front of opportunities to grow. Um, and I'll give you an example. There's a young lady at a, uh, one of the clubs that's under my um, watch, and uh, she exhibited a lot of initiative uh, as a receptionist. And was um, often the person that people turned to, even though she was in her early 20s um, when situations happened. And so we offered her a MOD position, a manager on duty position. and she stepped up to that beautifully and and flourished and continued to demonstrate initiative and and the ability, even for a young person to pull a team member up if they're you know really not doing the right thing or or um, being you know, productive within the organization, meaning they're gossiping or, or doing something that's non-productive. And, and she's continued to flourish. And so you know, I've shared with her books and um, had multiple conversations, check in with her once a week because she is a, a you know, burgeoning talent. And so someone like that, that we recognize and we guide over time, will ultimately, I think, be a great club manager, for example.
0: What are the implications of leadership and management teams having a clear idea and understanding of the management philosophy that they are pursuing?
1: Yeah, so management philosophy is something that, you know, I pay great attention to and I know that um, it's hard when you've got a, a disparate group of people, particularly in an executive team. It's also good to have a disparate group of people in a management team because you've got different viewpoints, so different data points. Um, but it is incredibly important to continually align in in a structured format. So in a rhythmic format, what you're pointing at. And um, I, I think I can't say that I've done this really well at all points in my career. I think, A lot of times it's easy to assume that we're in alignment, but I am um, very conscious of that these days because if, if team members are getting different messages from different parts of, you know, your executive, that's going to make it difficult. So I think that constant and rhythmic communication and discussion and, you know, one of the things within that is the ability for people to disagree. But to walk out of the room in alignment, and that might seem a contradiction, but what I'm saying is if we walk into the room with different thoughts about where we're headed or what we want to do, but when we come to any form of consensus, like let's say it's three out of four, or we agree that the best path is this, even though maybe a couple of people disagree with that, we need to walk out in in that alignment. Um, and And that maintaining that's difficult um you know i think about the four agreements um which is a great book so the four agreements are really four principles and the first one is impeccable speech meaning um to speak truth and be honest in everything you say and transparent uh, as as much as is reasonable or feasible and so that first you know principle is just that there's honesty and and transparency between the stakeholders uh, second one is um not to make assumptions and it's very easy to do that and particularly i think when we're younger we can do it and also when we're older because when we're older we've experienced stuff and we can imprint you know things onto situations that maybe even aren't there so um, that crosses the ages um and the third one is um not to take stuff personally. And I think that's a really powerful one, particularly given the first principle or agreement in that if we're going to speak honestly to each other and we're going to be transparent, sometimes we're going to say stuff that people doesn't, don't like. Um, and I've struggled with that over the years. Uh, I tend to tread pretty gently with people and try and um, influence them in ways without bringing the stick out. But just every now and then you've just got to hit someone over the head with something and, um, and it depends on the person. So not to take stuff personally very very important and the fourth one is just to do your very best like to do your best at all times and that means that it's not going to be perfect at times and that sometimes we're going to fail but if we're trying to do our best and our motivation's good um i think we're in a really good position to spirit a company forward if everybody's you know putting their best foot forward and again they're in alignment
0: how often should organizations reevaluate where they are and the leadership recipe they're using?
1: Yeah, so look, um common thoughts around this would be you know two, three, four, five years somewhere in that. I think constantly. You know I think it's uh, something that is business moves so quickly these days, and it's difficult. You add one person into the leadership mix and that can change the dynamic completely. So, I think it's something that needs to be constantly reevaluated. And I don't know that I'm not suggesting a formal reevaluation, but I think um, a little bit of introspection among the leaders and also a regular and again, a rhythm of getting together. um, You know, at, at the company that I'm working in right now, we do a quarterly GM summit, for example. And I think that's a powerful tool to you know, bring leaders back together and, and ensure we have alignment, but also um, to uh, explore. So, you know, all of those rhythms are going to help sort of keep leadership in context. Um, and, you know, obviously, again, leaders equally need to be, and I'm going to say surveyed or polled or, you know, um, uh, challenged at times regularly to, to see that they're, they're doing okay, that they're in alignment, that, um, they're clear on our purpose or I, I call it our, you know, intrinsic purpose. So what, what's the innate thing that we're here to do? Um, so all of that, you know, comes into play. I, I don't think it's a, there's a formula to that. Yeah.
0: Let's talk a bit more about the importance of organizational health and performance transformations what are some of the considerations in a transformation context in particular like what works according to the data
1: yeah so the first one would be clear direction like um clear again alignment but but direction in terms of which direction we're heading you know what's the vision um does everybody know what their role is you know are they do they understand well that would be really number 2 would come into what's their role what what, what it's people's responsibilities in terms of that direction. Um, also, just seeking innovation, both externally, like we talked about before, that would be number three, uh, and that could be bottom-up innovation from the team. It could also be external um, input. And, and a lot of times in that external input, I'd say look into other industries, I think a lot of times we look in, internally within an industry, and I think that... Or I don't think I know that that limits us. Um, when you look outside to other industries, you can um, find some absolute jewels that will impact how you approach things. And an example I would use is uh, I went to the Disney Institute uh, half a dozen times for different courses, and um, every time I, I grabbed things from Disney that that would apply in our industry, and yet we were in the fitness industry and wellness industry. An example would that of that would be opening our doors five minutes early in the morning. Uh, Disney drops the rope five minutes before nine every morning and people are delighted every morning. They got in a little bit early. Uh, to all too often, uh, clubs and other businesses, you can see the person behind reception watching the clock and it hits 5.30 and they open the door. And for the people that are standing outside that are cold, ready to get going, want to get their stuff in their locker before the class, mm-hmm. all of that, the delight of that five-minute early opening uh, never never ceases so those are little things that you can do from externally um, and also just having a strong performance cadence meaning that there's a constant review of what we're doing and a constant refinement and a constant focus on on growth and improvement um, and that's something that you know the company can drive but equally it should be implicit on the individuals within the organization to continue to improve themselves as well um we do like a book club which um we uh I, i've seen a lot of value in that and a lot of conversation happening around the water cooler about the books and we're doing one right now and and there's just a lot of great conversations about it and that brings people together as well you know to have sort of a common phraseology around things and such
0: mm. what about the uh, supportive leadership
1: Yeah, look, and maybe I feel like that's implicit, Mm -hmm. but but and it should be. Um, I think the team needs to feel that the leader is on their side, that they support them, surely, uh, but equally that they um, appreciate them. Uh, I try and find in every instance that I can people doing things, good things within the company, and when you acknowledge those things, it reinforces that behaviour. So it's a very powerful. you know, mechanism. And, and I don't use it because, yeah, sure, I, I love the outcome. I like the way it makes a person feel. I like um, the fact that it does reinforce the behavior. But more importantly, it often gets them to shift their frame of reference too and, and, and look for good things. And when we're each helping each other be our best and see our best, which sometimes we can't see, you know, with, with our own self-awareness, it's powerful.
0: Mm. Um, it seems to me that the magic then is in striking a balance and being a supportive leader, but also having a fair amount of discipline. So like there's got to be some kind of a qualitative shared vision. So I know you your mantra is people first always. Can you talk a little about that?
1: Yeah, so people first always um, sort of comes from a military background, <laughs> and uh, what it's about is achieving the mission, but putting people first and and that's hard. That's often it is just inevitably contradictory at times where it feels like we have to, I'll give you an example, cultural cancers. If you've got somebody who's a cultural cancer, um, and they're affecting the whole team, as much as that's going to be frustrating or disappointing or a, a, a huge upheaval for that person to cut that person out of the team, uh, it can make a huge difference. So we really need to be, disciplined around that. Um, if I've made a mistake over the years, it is firing slow and not firing hard and uh, fast enough. Um, and good, great talks about that, you know, hire hard and fire fast. Um, meaning if a person really isn't, um, helping the organization and helping the team around them, um, we should, you know, let that person go. The, the, there's things that come before that coaching, um, uh, you know, discipline, like as in, commentary and and letting that person know what they're doing. All too often, what I do see leaders do and managers do is accumulate stress and frustration around somebody without having conversations with them. And what I try and do is have conversations with them at a very low level, light, easy, breezy, and and try and influence them and see if there's change. And if there's not change, have a heavier dialogue. And at, at some point, you know, there has to be you know the, the tough conversations and when the tough conversations are starting they should be documented it should be in writing because um i've had people that i feel like i've clearly um tele or to clearly telegraph what we're looking for or what's missing and then they go back to doing the same stuff again and um and sometimes it just takes putting it in writing to um get that you know through to them and sometimes it doesn't um i have suffered from hiring uh, firing too slow in the past and and occasionally will still do it because I've also hung on to people and worked with them and had some amazing wins. So it's always a balancing act, you know, like sometimes it's just simply the person's in the wrong spot. Sometimes they've got maybe the wrong leadership. Sometimes uh, they uh, have stuff going on at home or outside of the work realm that's impacting them. And those things, can change um, and so it is having some patience around that but if somebody's repeatedly doing destructive behaviors within the organization, you know that that's the time when you need to say okay enough's enough.
0: What are some of the do's and don'ts for getting substantive sustainable improvements in organizational health?
1: I think the most important thing is authentic and constant commitment to organizational health from the leadership team. Um, Role modeling, um, growth, like actually leadership team working on themselves and managers working on themselves um, and helping each other grow and improve, Um, definitely helping team grow and improve. So it is, you know, it's a constant focus on how do we build the potential of the people within the organization? And so I talk about the formula, the affinity formula, great leadership leads to a great team experience, which equals a great member experience, which equals great financial results. And I don't think a point I've made clearly enough in elucidating that is that when I talk about great leadership, I am talking about leaders who are, yes, role models and are constantly you know working on sharpening their saw, as Stephen Covey would say, but that they're influencing and growing and mentoring people. And they they've got these team members really feel like they're in a place where they are blossoming and improving their capacity and capabilities. And in a in an organization like that, you know, the members are going to have a great experience or the customers. Financial results come and and the growth is is inevitable. And so it's a really like this flywheel that the better the leaders get of what they do and how they perform, the better the team experience, and in turn, the better the team gets, then the better the member customer experience. You know, it just is really simple formula. It's not rocket science, but it does require constant, you know, diligence and uh, scrutiny. You know, uh, of, of looking at what we're doing and how we're doing it, and, and how we can do it better. And I don't think there's a day or a week or a month that goes by that I don't look back and go, man, I could have done that better, or I could have approached that a little more um, appropriately under the circumstances. Um, but that's implicit in in being the best leader we can be to constantly look at ourselves and go, what could I do to improve? And that role modeling, uh, you know, for the team, uh, hopefully, reflects across and um, and helps
0: and that requires a fair degree of vulnerability too because you have to be open to doing things wrong and making mistakes and that being okay you no know, as a leader or sometimes I, I think sometimes particularly executives they get to the pinnacle and and they feel like that's the end so what do you think about vulnerability
1: yeah look vulnerability is a big thing and um, I apologize often and, and, you know because there's just Oftentimes when I'm like, shoot, I could have done that better. Uh, There was an incident just the other day where, you know, a team member did something um, that they were asked to do, but in actual fact, I probably should have done it. I should have taken responsibility for that. And even though, you know, looking back, it was a natural progression, what happened, I looked at that and and I I apologize because I really should have been the person that had driven that uh, initiative and if I had have been, probably none of the stress that, that ended up coming from it would have occurred. But you've just got to be able to put your hand up and go, hey, uh, I messed up or um, I missed that one. Or I should have been, you know, taking responsibility for that. Vulnerability is about um, that, that ability, literally, to say, okay, um, I, I'm human <laughs> and I make mistakes. And, and people actually appreciate that. It doesn't make you less than. Um, the best leaders that you know I know have a degree of vulnerability um, that, that they exhibit in, in a routine on a routine basis, and that really makes them very human and approachable, and increases team engagement for sure.
0: I agree. Any final thoughts?
1: Uh, this is a you know, big topic: organ- organizational health. I think we all are conscious that we want our organizations to be healthy, but equally it's, it's a hard road and it never stops. You know, it's never like, oh, we've got to dial it dialed in now. We're going to sit back and, and relax. Um, often I hear myself having conversations with owners or, or, you know, our ownership or leaders and, and, you know, we're just like sometimes scratching our heads literally and figuratively as to why things are where they are at. Um, but again, we've got to gotta to look at what we know. And there's a lot of such good content out there. And, and again, I look at that at the Easy's model, that curve. And when you step back and look at the organization through that lens, it's a very powerful lens to go, oh my goodness, you know, all this chaos we're seeing right now and upheaval. It's pretty natural at this point in evolution of a company. But um, we can lose sight of that sometimes. So yeah, just just um, just keep talking to each other and, and keep growing each other and uh, and and supporting each other and, and, and it will come.
0: Well, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please let us know. Um, if you'd like to give us a thumbs up on YouTube or click some stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would be much appreciated. And we hope you can join us next time. Thank you. Let's <laughs> go.